Hi, and thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X. Face your fears. Greetings, my genetic homologs. <laughs> Welcome to episode 54 of the Dream to Next podcast. It's your boy and host, JC. Hi. And I'm here with my lovely wife and assistant, Dr. Capel. Dr. Capel. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 54. Today, we are talking about the book. Captain Chasing Captain America by Dr. Paul Zare. And this book is about how to use genetic technologies that are available today and maybe a little gene hacking to uh, potentially create a contemporary Captain America. And I am not a guy who's read a lot of comics uh, in my life. Uh, the only comic book exposure I had as a kid was one about that I recall was uh, a comic book about Tom Landry and the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. That's cool. And uh, contrast that with my my lovely wife. You've got all kinds of... You continue to read comic books to this day, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a geek. I like comics. What's your, <laughs> what are your, some of your favorite comic books? She-Hulk. She-Hulk. And more She-Hulk. And why do you read She-Hulk? What, what she's is a it? badass. <laughs> but there's more to it than that. Because she's... More normalized. I like when she hulks out. She still has all of her ration reason. And she's sarcastic and hilarious. And she's wildly strong. And she's wicked smart. She's a lawyer. Mm. And so she has all the attributes that I would like to be. Like smart, funny, strong. I think that's key right there. The yeah. attributes. You like you like reading about that the attributes. That resonate with you. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. with you. yeah. Mm -hmm. the, uh, of course, when She-Hulk came out on Disney, she was... <laughs> <laughs> was, I was very excited. Excited, <laughs> excited, and we watched it the, the whole thing. And uh, it's not continuing to come out, is it? Or it's done for the season, so hopefully, hopefully they make a season two. And it was just really fun to watch, mm -hmm. and I kind of get why she loves She Hulk because <laughs> she's yeah, she's very funny, she's um, very smart and humble, yet mm -hmm. humble, yeah, and. Uh, you know, the ability to dominate in a room, but yet very humble in that, in mm -hmm. that regard. And, and, no, and firmly rooted in where she came from. I yes, think, yes. So, yeah. uh, actually, so watching that show uh, gave me a greater appreciation for Cindy, who's always... You've got <laughs> She-Hulk tattoos, even. She, she just loves She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, you just had one done this year, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yep. True. Maybe we can put a, a picture on the podcast. I didn't think of that. Yeah, would let's you do mind? That. Of course. Okay, that would be cool. Yeah, she just had a She-Hulk tattoo done this year, so mm -hmm. um, pretty epic. I don't have any tattoos. Um, I have Cap enough for the both of us. <laughs> I just figure I look like Captain America. What the heck do I need a tattoo for, right? You do look like Captain America. <laughs> You're hotter though. <laughs> All right. So anyway, six top takeaways. From Dr. Paul's Dr. Paul Zare's book on chasing Captain America on uh, contemporary kind of uh, genetic bio uh, yeah genetic technologies that might currently be employed to create a Captain America type of human. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I got to tell you, uh, it's a relatively light book, but there's a lot of big words in here. There's not many pictures. I, you know, books without pictures, what the heck? I can't do that. But uh, a lot of big words and a lot of thoughts that made me go down many different rabbit holes to investigate. And at the end of the at, at the end of reading this book, I decided to enroll in a Coursera, Coursera course in genomics to kind of learn more about this field because it's really fascinating. I had no idea it was so fast moving mm -hmm. and there's so much potential here. So can we create Captain America? What will it take? Number one, the number one technology that I took away from this book is CRISPR. And so I'm sure you've heard of CRISPR in the news. It's been around for a while. Have you heard of CRISPR? Mm -hmm. um, and basically what it is, is a technology, a, a gene technology to allow you to edit your genes. That's and craziness. So there's the potential there to use these um, uh, Cas9, which is one of the proteins that are, are, are uh, typically used with CRISPR, to kind of snip out the genes that you currently have and put in some more amenable genes to create something that's that's better uh, a better you than so i could permanently have green hair potentially that that's the promise of crispr now the technology i don't think is is used outside of the lab widely mm -hmm. maybe in specific cases in the medical community it's used um but not not widely outside of the lab and crispr stands for uh, this will totally help explain what crispr is once you understand the acronym Clustered, regularly interspaced, short palindromic repeat is what, Gesundheit. Is what it stands for. So does that help clarify anything? Uh, it's it's a compli complicated technology, which is why I wanted to learn more about the whole field of genetics to kind of understand this whole thing. Because there's a lot of acronyms out there. There's a there's a lot of a lot of words and and uh, techniques and things in the genomics community that are thrown out, but really understanding them takes a lot of knowledge and research. Mm -hmm. This is a huge field. It's like it's bigger than computer technology, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, there's so much there, but it's so fascinating. Um, okay, so CRISPR is one way that we could potentially create the uh, attributes that we want to see in a superhuman just by editing the genes, not not really changing them, just edit, I mean changing them, but just editing them. Uh, I don't think gene edits are passed from generation to generation. I uh, may be wrong there. I'm sorry if I am, but again, this is a field I'm just learning more about. Mm -hmm. But CRISPR is a technology used for editing your current genes in um putting in uh, a gene that's more amenable to the uh, either the physical or whatever, you know, type of gene expression that you're looking for. So in theory, if you had like a gene that was, didn't come out right for whatever reason that my dad passed on to me, they could edit that one gene and fix it. That would fix whatever issue I was having. So it was like a medical issue. Yeah. Like, Fascinating. Like arthritis. Maybe. Yeah. And this is something I'm really interested in after reading this. Like, screw creating superhuman. Is there something that can treat arthritis? Mm. Can we edit our genes to like get rid of arthritis? Like your your mom suffers from arthritis. Yeah. I think your dad does as well. Yep. Mm -hmm. I do. I know I've got arthritis in all my joints. If we could fix that if we could solve that through gene editing i'd be all about it that'd be amazing like i'd, I'd sign up for that totally yeah um and and so it, there's there seems to be a lot of promise there and again most of the technologies we're going to discuss seem to have a lot of promise but i 
I'm kind of like grasping at straws when it comes to actual implementation mm. out there that the common joke can get a hold of, which yeah. is a little bit frustrating. Anyway, so there's CRISPR. Uh, studying a little bit more about that uh, capability also made me become aware of a, a um, similar Moore's Law. You're familiar, we talked about Moore's Law in some of our AI discussions, you know, the, the doubling of the power of silicon chips mm-hmm. every year and a half or so. There's a similar uh, graph associated with the technology in this whole genomics field. Mm. And so to think about when um, gene sequencing began around 1987, uh, the the associated cost then was around $33 billion or something like that. Something outrageous. $33 billion just to sequence one genome. $33 billion. Also of note is that the Department of Energy was the one primarily pushing on gene sequencing. Huh, I wonder what And that not is. NIH. Yeah. And the reason they were doing that is it was related to uh, nuclear radiation oh. research. Very interesting correlation there. Huh. Just let that simmer for a little bit. But anyway, $33 billion. And that cost... Um, kind of came down very similar to the way Moore's Law was, mm. was going down, the cost of computing and the doubling power. However, it dropped off precipitously around, uh, I think, 2003. And to this day, it costs around $200 to sequence a human genome. So it went from three, $33 billion in 1987 to this day around $200, something like that. It's, it's incredible. So you can go to like... Um, Ancestry.com, 23 Me, those sites to get your, your gene sequence. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, um, George Church, I'm trying to remember his company name. I was just looking at it. It uh, starts with an N, Nebula or something. Anyway, I'll put it in the, the, the blog post notes. But he, George Church is a, a big player in this field of geno- genomics. He's a, a researcher at Harvard University. Fascinating, fascinating uh, guy as well. Um, but anyway, uh, the, 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 the technology, the cost of that technology has dropped tremendously mm. since 87 and, and the capability has increased greatly as well. So the, the potential for the future for this technology is, is wonderful. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see, you know. Uh, again, like I said, it's like grasping at straws to see some real applications mm-hmm. of this stuff. But at least... At the current point in time, as of 2022, December, you can now pay around 200 to 400 bucks, get your genome sequenced, and and have a full, a relatively full understanding. I haven't done it myself, but supposedly you can have a relatively full understanding of your genes and what might potentially cause health problems for you down the road, whether it's cancer or asthma or whatever. Mm, so interesting. Yeah. Now, there's a... I, a lot of security aspects in that we, we you and I have kind of dis- discussed, but we won't go into that now. But um, I think it, the field is just fascinating. Okay, number two, how might what what are some technologies we might use to create um, Captain America? The number two takeaway that I, I learned from this book was the myostatin. Do you know what myostatin does? I don't. Myostatin regulates your muscle growth. So if you inhibit myostatin in your body, you don't even have to work out that much and your muscles are going to go like, like you're, you're going to get really big muscles. And in fact, um, there's a lot of uh, pictures on, if you, if you Google myostatin, bovine myostatin or something like that, 
um, you'll get a lot of pictures of cows that mm-hmm. have had their. It's it's quite common in animals, so like cows and pigs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. The myostatin can um, genetically be um, uh, the the excretion or or, or or the use of myostatin in, the, in those models uh, can be limited and uh, result in these big strong looking cows and these big strong looking mm. pigs and stuff. Hmm. It's not very common in humans, but it's common in, in other animal models. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah, that was interesting. I never heard of that. And so I think a lot of bodybuilders have, are probably aware of that already. Yeah. They're like, well, hey, man, how do I limit my myostatin so I can get pumped without working out or whatever? Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that, it's, it's interesting how the body works. And Oh, it's a protein. I wrote down uh, it's a protein myostatin. So if you can limit that, you can uh, probably realize pretty extreme muscle growth mm. in your body the problem one of the problems with it though is that it grows all your muscles so your heart too I would imagine. including your heart mm. and you don't want to screw around with that so part of the problem with all of these technologies is getting them to work correctly in conjunction with the places where they need to work and not screw up other places yeah and so that that's really part of the challenge of when you start tinkering with biology is to is to get these tinkering get the tinkering working correctly in all all systems of your overall system Mm -hmm. okay so number three uh hippocampus stimulation do you know what the hippocampus is the part of the brain (laughs) i'm glad you know i don't know where exactly the hippocampus (laughs) is i forgot to look it up but um Dr. Zare points out a study where these these researchers and some academic institute, a couple of academic institutions wrote a paper whereby they could transfer memories between mouse models using hippocampus stimulation. Mm. So they could basically record a memory in one rat and then replay that memory in another rat, totally different rat who didn't, didn't experience that memory at all, but... Um, could experience that memory through hippocampus stimulation. I think it was electromagnetic um, stimulation. So external. I, I don't think it had anything to do with internal brain manipulation or anything. So if I they were to just... clone the rat, then they could literally clone the brain too and give it the whole memories and everything else. <gasps> I, now that I don't know about. That's I think a uh, bridge too far from this particular <laughs> study. This is just... I watch a lot of sci-fi. <laughs> I think this is just electromagnetic stimulation mm. of the hippocampus, uh, recording it in one and copying it to another through so some kind of stimulation. Yeah, and I wonder but, if it would have the emotion affiliated too, or if it's just like, so mm, it yeah. takes you to go through a maze because you know you get the reward, but do you have that gratification of getting the reward, like knowing that, anyway, solving yeah. the problem. I don't know. Yeah, hmm. yeah but... Yeah. Um, the thing that made me think about hip, the this memory translation between animal the rat models was uh, in that scene in the Matrix when the Neo when, Ooh, yeah. when the Neo when Neo gets that thing stuck in the back of his head and he learns kung fu. Uh, I think that was such a great, uh, almost prophetic look into the future about how we are going to learn. I. I I th- I'm almost positive we are going to learn like that in the future. Mm-hmm. S- maybe not something stuck in our brain or mm-hmm. the, the base of our brain, but maybe through just some kind of uh, you know neural link or something like that to help us learn faster. And like we talked about in previous podcasts relative to, to artificial intelligence and how fast all that stuff is progressing, 
I, I think it's going to be important for humans in order to keep pace. Yeah. We're going to have to learn faster. We've got to figure out how to learn more. We're going to have to figure out how to learn faster. And that's part of what this Dream to Next podcast is all about. How, do, how can we learn more? How can we learn faster? Mm-hmm. And so this is really an interesting study in that regard. Like the, the ability to, you know, memories are what, you know, memories are learning, right? Like you have that motor memory for doing one thing. Like if you can, trans, if, if you could like capture that, record that and like neurally transmit it to somebody else who didn't have to go through that experience, but can automatically get it. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's really fantastic. So anyway, that's, uh. That's it. Also in the blog post, there's a link there. You can read more about that study. Um, so what is this? Four or five? This is four. The fourth key takeaway that I had was the, the word photobiomodulation and what it means. Photobiomodulation. It's a, a lot of big words in this blog post. You know, there's a lot <laughs> of big words in this book. And this is why I'm like, I got to look, look all this stuff up and figure out what it means. But... Basically, it's the idea that we sh- humans share a lot of our biology with plants way back when. And, of course, plants use sunlight to convert um, uh, stuff to energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's that called? Food to photosynthesis. <laughs> and so humans have that as a latent... Um, uh, capability mm-hmm. as well <laughs> i just thought this was interesting especially relative to the whole covid covid thing when yeah. covid came out there was some talk about you know well sunlight might be able to help uh cure covid mm. well actually you know sunlight has been used um for a long time at least through the 1900s to uh potentially cure various diseases so it's not unheard of to yeah. use sunlight to, to cure things that ail us and in fact, in the early 1900s, um, there were there were company. Oh, even going back as far to the Greeks and Herodotus, mm-hmm. it was known that sunlight can help humans recover from certain ailments. Mm-hmm. So it's not outside the realm of possibility by any means. There's a scientific term associated with it: photobiomodulation. And that's how Superman gets all his powers. Yeah, uh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so switching comics, this is Marvel flying, switching to DC comics. So Superman flies into the sun, and that's how he heals and regenerates oh, and get his strength yeah. and powers. So, okay, yeah, well, Stanley, cool. no, Stanley probably knew all this stuff already. Stanley's Marvel comics. Oh, whatever, whoever, I don't know, somebody do it. What, so what were you talking about? Who's DC Superman? Comics. Oh, Superman is DC. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's okay. I love you. <laughs> He's pretty. <laughs> 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 There's even a, a contemporary company called Biolux Research. I, I couldn't find them on the web today. They may they may have gone out of business, but they were creating uh, technologies to help heal. Uh, I think dental type of issues mm. using type of of light energy. Really? Yeah. For your teeth. For your teeth. Yeah. Mm. So it it's a thing. It's a thing. I don't know how much of a thing it is, but okay. Number five, or number five, take my number five takeaway was this molecule called rapamycin, and there's a couple of reasons why I thought rapamycin was really interesting. It's a molecule found in the soil on Easter Island. Oh, you know where they wow. have this big, yeah, 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 
yeah, I always wanted to go that there. Look in some direction for some reason. Yep. These, uh, the creation of these huge stone structures that modern man are almost like mystified by. Yeah. Like, how did those things get created? And that's a whole nother side interest of mine is, is stone and stone masonry and mm. man's relationship to stone masonry and how we've kind of lost touch with how the heck these stone <laughs> these stone structures back in the day were mm-hmm. even built and created. Yeah. And, and the, the heads on Easter Island are one, one great example. But anyway, I digress. It's all about the soil on Easter Island yeah. and this compound called rapamycin. Rapamycin... Uh, purportedly uh, helps humans, anybody who takes it, live longer. It fights whatever, and I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a soil bacterium, and it's known to help prolong life. And, um, however, uh, it's only currently used, uh, it's been synthesized currently in the health community to, like, help with organ transplants. Oh, wow. So I'm like... Organ transplants? I mean, if it helps prolong our life, how come there's not some implementation that anybody can go to the store and buy and, like, help, you know, some supplements, some rapamycin? So that's what I mean. There's, like, so many technologies here that are, like, I can't, I, it's cool that they exist, but how do we get a hold of it? How do we use it? Where's the implementation at? Like, come on. Yeah. So, I mean, if this is known to, like, ex- let's go to Easter Island and just, like, start eating dirt. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's what I'm Why not? If you want to live long, go to Easter Island and just start shelling dirt around. I mean, that's the only way to get it, unfortunately. Um, so, anyway, I thought that was really interesting. This, this Pacific Island's got some stuff in the soil that mm-hmm. helps humans live longer. Mm-hmm. But good luck getting any implementation of that and any kind of supplement or anything like that Fascinating. as far as i'm as far as i'm aware um okay and finally the the last big takeaway i had was the field of synthetic biology and this is kind of the the thing that that blew me away and it's it's basically the the uh, burgeoning is one of my favorite words but yes it is but <laughs> maybe that's not the correct way to use it maybe it's been around for a while but um it's, it's a technology for creating synthetic organisms. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I you know, went down this whole rabbit hole. I was reading about George Church, who, again, is that Harvard scientist who created a means to... He wrote a book and um, he created a means to uh, compile his uh, some software to compile. And I couldn't find the software. I looked for it. I didn't hmm. look too hard, but I couldn't find anything. He wrote some software to compile his book, uh, convert it into binary, which is not that hard, but then to convert that binary into uh, genomic sequences. Whoa. So the book, was it turned into a genome? Um, he converted it to DNA. I, I don't know that you would call it a genome, but he converted That's it. That's wild. And so basically the ones and zeros got converted to, so A's and uh A's and C's got converted to like one of the zeros or one, yeah. and, then, and then the G's and the T's got converted to a zero or That's one. That's wild. And supposedly this resulted in a huge um, space saving. So it ended up being some kind of new compression technology okay. using DNA. And so that was one of the, I think one of the companies he's created is, is uh, using biological uh, means, uh, using biologic, bi- biotechnology to um, create a greater 
technology, technolo- uh, uh, <laughs> a greater compression technology in the field of computer science. So uh, it, it makes me more aware of how beneficial the two fields of research mm. are. There, mm-hmm. there's, and, and many, many other ways, uh, biology and technology, especially in the field of AI, I think yeah. are hugely complementary. I'm very interested in that intersection between the two and then also statistics and, and math. But um, anyway, this book just kind of blew my mind in terms of, oh, crap, there's a whole a whole bunch of stuff I need to go out and learn real quick. Coursera! <laughs> not, not real quick, but, <laughs> but you know, try to try to assimilate and, and understand better. Yeah. And I, I really think it's exciting. Uh, exciting time to to kind of look into that intersection of, of genomics and biology and computing technology right mm-hmm. now and there's a lot of potential that those fields could can unlock um i'm a little bit uh honestly uh dismayed that there's not more implementations um usable implementations mm-hmm. that the average joke can actually use and get a hold of right now. Yeah. Uh, problems that have been solved from, from the intersection of these technologies. Yeah. Like rapamycin. Why, I mean, supposedly it creates side effects. Like, supposedly it increases your possibility that you might get diabetes and stuff like that. So maybe I can understand it's got to go through all these, you know, government... FDA-approved clinical trials and stuff. Well, plus, if it's only on Easter Island, if we rape that resource, then it's gone. Right. True. Like fossil fuel. But could you, could using synthetic biology, could could you synthesize it? it? Yeah. And take out the issues where it could potentially cause diabetes and things. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And maybe they're working on that. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, it just feels like there's a lot of great promise in these technologies, Mm -hmm. but there's not a lot of implementation that the average person can leverage yet and so i'm a little curious why that is where is this stuff going like Mm -hmm. for example we've spent you know uh the potential of 33 billion dollars to sequence the genome Mm -hmm. where's the where's the roi for the average person in that and was taxpayer money used in in those initial iterations Mm -hmm. and and where's our roi from that i'm not seeing it and i'm wondering why why is it Cancer solved yet? Yeah, that's we a good could question. sequence all these genomes, but we can't solve cancer. Mm-hmm. I, I'm maybe I, I, you know, obviously I don't know the, I don't know everything, and I don't, I don't understand the problem. But it does seem like that that's something that should be solved by now. Yeah, and, and why hasn't it? Yeah, don't mean to be cynical, but um, I, I, I do wonder. Like, there just seems to be a disconnect from from my perspective. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Great book. Um, wanted to talk. I, I, there are two other books in Paul's uh, Doctor Doctor Zare's Paul's. I don't know him. Doctor Zare's series. Um, and Cindy's got him here. Yeah. Coming Batman and inventing Iron Man. inventing Iron Man. And so I want to read those books as well. Um, the Batman one is, I think, more about how you can train existing human biology to become more superhuman like. And then, of course, the inventing Iron Man one is more about how to use like computing technology and mechanical technology yeah. uh, to create some kind of superhuman. But the Beyond Batman one, or Beyond, I keep saying Beyond, Becoming Batman one is really cool because he has, okay, here's average Bruce Wayne, like average us as if we were going through like today's life. 
And here's like Batman Bruce Wayne and the differences in how the diet and the exercise and the training and all of those different, mm. the mentorship and all these different things. So it's like, really, here's us, here's us as normal people and here's how it would become mm. that. So it's, a, it's I, I loved it. I thought it was really well done. Okay, cool. Yeah, I def- and I'm in the middle of uh, Iron Man right now. Oh, you are? Yeah. All right. So uh, I definitely want to pick up reading on these, but right now I am... In this wonderful uh, Dan Dan Jones, uh, I don't know if you've seen him on. Um, I think it's Netflix where he does something about great British castles or something like that. It's a great show, and this book, uh, he's a very clear writer. The the plan plantagenets. It's about the how the the kings of England came about and um, kind of the history of the lineage of all these guys from. Uh, starting just after the Battle of Hastings in 1066, and William of William the Conqueror coming across the Channel from from Normandy into into Dover and and kind of taking over <laughs> uh, Southern England at the time, and and how uh, Henry the uh, Second and Eleanor Aquitaine and who's and, my ancestor and. Which, I like her. I think she's a cool. badass. <laughs> I, and his writing, Dan's, Dan's writing is so clear. And again, he uses a lot of big words and everything. But uh, And no pictures either in this one. But uh, uh, just every, I'm trying to read it every morning. And it's just like a, a delicious treat to read about this history. And um, I, I really enjoy this book. So I'll probably talk about that one next. But maybe not. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how the spirit moves us. But... Anyway, thanks for listening to episode 54. And um, my New Year's resolution for Dream 10X next, next year is to put out two issues every month. We'll see if we can do that. All right. <laughs> we'll try to do that. Uh, we've kind of we've slid back to a comfortable position of one a month. And uh, I'm going to try to see maybe we can ramp up to two, two a month, and which means I'm going to have to read more books. And she's going to have to read more books. But anyway. Thanks for following us this year. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Thanks for being a part of the Dream 10X squad. We will talk to you again, definitely, in 2023. Get some. Bye.